Hello everyone, this is Chris. And I'm Zach. This week on Cinemania, we are talking about Milo's Foreman's One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest. But before that, do we want to jump into what we watched last week? Because there's some connections we're going to make between the film and what we watched recently. Last week, I shared that I watched Inland Empire uh, with my roommate. Um, and this week, we watched uh, The Straight Story for the first time, which is one of two remaining David Lynch films that I hadn't seen before. So, so this, this week, I also, um, I've been hard at work. Um, and when I'm working, I like to throw a movie on in the background. Uh, so I watched uh, Booksmart and Good Boys, which were both kind of super bad knockoffs, but both, I think Booksmart at least was better than super bad. Um, I'm still kind of processing Good Boys. Um, and um, I also get kind of into the poetic cinema. Um, I'm trying to get more into that. Um, and I've been working my way through Kiara Stomi's Coker trilogy. Uh, so I watched And Life Goes On uh, this week, which I really liked. Uh, it was very uh, meta compared to the, the last film, uh, Where is the Friend's House? But I liked it a lot. Kiara Stomi. Did he direct it uh, 24 frames? I think he did. Yeah. Yes, he did. That was a beautiful yeah. movie. He, I, I read a book um, by him called Lessons with Kiara Stomi uh, that... A professor and a friend uh, recommended to me. Uh, for me, I watched uh, just a lot of random films. Uh, uh, I've been catching up with uh, Renee Warner Fassbender's earlier films, uh, such as Love is Colder Than Death um, and uh, other films because they're in. The title's in German. I just don't want to pronounce it wrong, but <laughs> they're so melodramatic, almost like Douglas Sirk stuff to some extent, but with more, I'll say more um, like artsy approach. Just the mere fact that they're black and white is like a lot more to talk about than Douglas Sirk's movies. Um, I also watched um, a film called Brexit. It's a German film that's three hour long. It's probably the only um, biopic of Brexit that I know. And um, yeah, it's more like a informative film than a good film. So, mm. and also most importantly, I watched Army of Darkness for the first time in my life. Sam Raimi, good stuffs. <laughs> You're you're way behind. Sam, Sam Raimi is probably one of my favorite uh, independent directors. That that's actually a, a pretty big statement. Um, but right, he, he's it one is. of my favorites. He's, he's a hero of mine. <laughs> yeah, we should definitely do. Mm-hmm, we should definitely do episodes on him. Um, and my and my first Brasson was this week too, uh, which was Pickpocket. Oh wow! Yeah, I love very stylish. Him. Uh-huh. Uh, I'd be interested to to dive more into his his style and his ideas. Uh, considering he was one of the like two or three directors that Truffaut didn't uh, just absolutely eviscerate in his um, <laughs> a certain tradition of right. the French cinema or a, a certain tendency of the French cinema. Right. Um, 
Uh, so you watched Ratchet this weekend or this week? Right. Uh, Part of I checked last that... night. We have not missed the trend. We have not missed the wave. Uh, <laughs> it is currently number nine, I believe, on the U.S. top ten on Netflix. <laughs> uh, Alrighty, dropped to nice place. Was like second a week ago or two weeks ago. Um, well, this comes out on Thursday, so let's pray it doesn't drop any lower. <laughs> I personally haven't seen any of it. I'm not a huge Ryan Murphy fan. Mm. Um, Chris, you said you watched a little bit of it. What did you think? Yeah, I watched uh, the first three episodes, and um, in opposite of what's what Zach is standing, I loved Ryan Murphy. Uh, before, when we were talking right before this episode, when Zach mentioned how many television shows he has produced and yeah, the mass, the mass production, the mass productivity is kind of pushing me off a little bit. But yeah, I loved uh, American Horror Story and um, yeah, I think just American Horror Story actually. Wretched uh, is just another American Horror Story for me. Um, but it's more focused on one person instead of a group of people. Um, I really don't see the necessity of calling this film wretched. Um, think it's almost a little bit offensive to One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest because I just love that film so much. And Nurse Wretched in the film is such a complete character already. I I just feel like um, Ryan Murphy is using this classic film's fame to promote his new show. Um, it's totally this kind of disconnectedness between the show and film that I was feeling, and it's like a and it's also like a slower version of AHS. Um, so, yeah. You made a great choice to not watch it. I was just playing it in the background, so yeah, it was a little bit let down. I watched the I, I watched One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest last night, and I was just it was the first time I'd seen it in in years, um, and I was just astounded by how good it was. Um, and then I I was like scrolling through Netflix at eleven thirty, and uh, I came upon Ratchet. I was like, well, I should check out the trailer at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> it there's just. You're right. There is such just a, a disconnect between the the movie, and uh, and the show, and not just like stylistically, like in the movie, um, right. Nurse Ratched is is always like dressed in white with her nurse's cap. There's like a big deal about her nurse's cap. There's there's that right. close up of the nurse's cap after it's been trampled, and right. uh, it's not pure white anymore. And mm-hmm. there's. Uh, and then in this the show, she's dressed in so many different colors. It yes. looks great. It looks fantastic. <laughs> uh, really beautiful, but it doesn't match the same kind of sterility that was in the original film. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe maybe the show takes more more of its cues from the original source novel by Ken, uh, the original source novel by Ken Casey. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I saw no reason to watch the show. Mm-hmm. And the. Uh... Asylum in the show is like this grand fancy place, almost like a. It's, I see some Wes Anderson aesthetics in this show, even like the mm-hmm. highly symmetrical picture and those kind of 
um, off-white colors and stuff. Um, that carefully coordinated, like, color schemes and right. uh, mise-en-scene blocking. <laughs> Definitely. Um, uh, in, the, in the show, the first three episodes, there's this um, lesbian undernote for Nurse Ratched. Yeah, um, I don't want to come out against having queer representation you're, you're in right. television shows. You're right. Let's just shows, edit but... it out. I just... <laughs> well, I, I think it's a good point because the um, inclusivity is, is very, very important. Yep. Um, but Nurse Ratched is, is a character that just in general I don't feel needs a backstory, especially one yeah. that since she's a representation of an institution in the state having um, a uh, non-heteronormative uh, orientation. Right. Especially during that time, it's just, it's it's a weird character choice that doesn't really make sense. Ratchet, Ratchet doesn't need a backstory because she's an impersonal rule-following, straight-laced nurse, and that's what makes her so evil. Um, right. <laughs> and to try and make her more tragic or more human by giving her a, a sexual orientation that seems to be against those... that that tendency in her, in her character uh, seems like a betrayal of the character. Yeah. I do see, because it's um, trying to present a backstory. It's kind of showing the struggle between identity and her... Uh, and her instinct to follow rules, which actually mm-hmm. in the show, she's not that much following the rules anymore. She's kind of this smart-ass, um, inte- is, is like, uh, sorry, not smart-ass, um, this intelligent woman that tried to penetrate into a um, s- established system for revenge. It's, Almost totally opposite of Ratchet in Cuckoo's Nest, huh? Wait, for revenge? That's her motivation? At least the first three episodes, yes. Okay, that's a spoiler. Wow. But, yep. Yeah, was, that's... She was trying to save her revenge for her brother, who seems to be um, driven crazy by the priests or the church system. Yeah, that's... Yeah, see... Uh... Just none of this really clicks with the character that we know from the movie. Right. I, I haven't I haven't read the book. I first watched this film uh, many many years ago. This was at a time when I didn't have the uh, the quote unquote Kino eye, um, and it it just blew me away uh, how incredibly engaging this film is, while still having the layers of subtext that it does. Um, there are a lot of um, heavy anti-establishment themes in here. Right. Um, really cool stylistic choices that we're going to get into that really reflect that and just several really commanding central performances for me um when i first watched it it was uh when i was in high school uh at the time that i had some um, quote-unquote rebellious ideas that the society didn't really want me to talk about i guess um it's just i this kind of I project myself onto McMurphy's character so much that the tragedy almost feel like this fatalism to me of what will happen when you're 
fighting against the system. And I love that film a lot. And that was the time I already watched the Shoshank's Redemption and uh, Forrest Gump and some of the so-called classics, although they're being found problematic these days, but back then it wasn't. Um, it still stands out to me. Like, it's just this really rebellious um, film out of all the Oscar winners. Um, later on, I watched it like the, the memory I had, the deepest memory I had about rewatching it is actually last year when I uh, personally get out of a mental ward. So it's more like, um, like from the content, uh, specifically about flew over the cuckoo's nest that really touched me, but, um, yeah. I like that you have a personal connection to this film. It, um, uh... oh, but I didn't met anyone, uh, that's as crazy as Nurse Ratchet. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not like saying the hospital crew was doing anything for equality. It's just this ideas of uh, daily routines that you have to follow that um, I was involuntarily put in the mental ward. So um, it's like, yeah, I'm really in the position of McMurphy, although I'm not trying to change the system. It's just a feeling of being trapped in. And right. That that revelation halfway through where he realizes that uh, he's among the few that can't get out. Right. That's such a claustrophobic mm -hmm. almost reveal. Mm -hmm. um, I'm glad that it, it shows some accuracy in that. Maintaining that feeling of, like you said, the daily routine. Right. And One thing that I really noticed watching this film is that um, even though it is, even though each of the characters have their own kind of like I don't want to say quirks, but, like, they have, like, distinct, like, things that they do. Mm. Uh, like, Billy Bibbit has the right. stutter, um, and he's he's very anxious, and, um... He's this teenage boy, almost. Um, but there's no real discussion of what these, like, a, a, these characters' diagnosed mental right. health is. There's no saying that Martini, you know, he's, like, a paranoid schizophrenic, or this character is, like, uh... You know he's he's bipolar or you know um there's uh, a lot of implicit references to what these characters uh may or may not be in there for right. but it's not really important to them um or to to the plot of the film they're not really discussed which i really i think i i, I appreciate it quite a bit um Me too. it shows that the characters can be more than just their uh their mental uh right. issues but also, um, in comparison to people presented as really have some mental illness, um, there's this one guy. I I don't know whether they revealed his name or not, but he was a person that had the cigarette had a cigarette butt in her in his pants. Then he starts screaming. Oh, uh, Tober. Um, yes, Tober or Taper, Taper. Yeah, Tabor. Tabor, that's uh, what it is. Christopher mm -hmm. Lloyd. Yeah, so so he starts screaming, but this is almost like this misdiagnosed 
um, at that moment that he was forced to be taken, but he's actually just having the cigarettes, but burning him. Yeah, a lot of this film is, uh, I mean, this was coming at a time when, when mental health studies, psychiatry, uh, was was still in kind of its its early stages of treatment. Um, and, and hospitals, you know, they had general ideas of what to right. do, but they didn't really implement them very well, and they were usually very ignorant around these characters. Uh, you can see that, especially in the film, with its uses of uh, electroshock therapy, right. Lobotomy. And, uh, frontal lobotomies. Yeah. Filthy time in history. Not great. Which happening Ratchet, the show Ratchet as well. Um, just a side note. Except it's more exploitative, right? right? Definitely. It's Ryan, yeah. Ryan Murphy. It's... Can't really expect yeah. more. Um, Gotta love <laughs> uh, But yeah, uh, when you talk about the historical context, that was also the time... I think um, film studies start to become a general trend. Um, and like when we now look back in the history, asylums um, as a social fable is just this really cinematic aspect, this, this really cinematic s- symbolism. And also the role of um, therapist or psychologists and or psychiatrist 20th century cinema was um really um deeply discussed by a lot of philosophers um that was a time that some people argue cinema and cinema is replaced was replacing churches and psychologists and therapists were replacing the priest and they become this um diagnosers with authority instead of priests um and i read somewhere when i was doing research um, of this film that um, French philosopher Foucault was um, describing psychologist as um, person with two, like two faced person, like there's two roles, uh, there's two layers of their characters. On the one hand, there's the father character. On the other hand, there's a judge. Um, like they will judge what what we're doing, I mean, just in real life in general, not just in film, but they judge what we're doing and they actually point the way of what we should do. And actually in films, mostly they will punish, they'll punish the characters while trying to he- trying to heal them. Uh, and Foucault's friend, uh, Deleuze also talked about um, things about mental illness uh, is, the modern society is trying to create this, create a peculiar heroism imagination. This imagination of hero is the lunatics, the people that that are in mental ward. And I know you found a quote about Foucault somewhere, Zach. I yeah, I did. Um, I found uh, just this idea um, of. Uh, self-policing inside the ward where the the patients um, most of them are voluntary uh, voluntarily committed uh, 
and that's this uh and they exercise their their rights uh less so than mcmurphy who wants to push the envelope at every yeah. chance he gets and so what you have there is this idea of the uh the patients uh succumbing to the rules um and self-policing themselves um underneath the societal banner um because uh they're afraid of the institution of the state mm-hmm. uh which ratchet and the the nurses uh represent yeah and that moment when uh, the patients reveal that um when nurse ratchet reveals that most of the patients are voluntary i think it elevates the symbolism of the patients to another level they're not just minorities but they are minorities that um afraid of what is out there mm-hmm. yeah it's but they're also it's not just afraid of what's out there but also it's a fear of um themselves and their own individuality um it becomes um because when i was watching this film i was thinking about uh like they're it, it's kind of about autocratic institutions and, and freedom of the self and right. um because i think the film does a good job of about halfway through there's a sequence where um mcmurphy steals the school bus and drives them out and they go fishing right. um and it just becomes it just kind of devolves into this chaotic situation where you know mm-hmm. one guy stops steering the boat and then uh you know mcmurphy's in bed with the prostitute and uh, I think Tabor like catches a fish or something right. and like all hell breaks loose on the boat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's really, I it, I think it, uh, I know Milos Foreman was, was famous for saying that he didn't want that scene in the film. Oh, wow. Because it has a sort of, um, it kind of takes you out of the, the atmosphere of the film. But I think it also goes to show that it was never about, uh, McMurphy's idea of being able to do whatever you want or having the the freedom to just push the envelope and uh to its absolute extent at all times it's more about the freedom of expressing yourself um because when these mental when these wards were um released uh they were they kind of flocked to whoever the most um charismatic leader was among them which was mcmurphy uh, right. But the freedom of express individual expression uh, was something that through McMurphy they were able to find within themselves again. Right. Even though the film ends up being a, a tragedy at the end. Well, but I found a little bit of hope. The the, the like last night when I was watching it, um, even though I was crying to death. But there's also this little hope because he's uh, McMurphy's body is like destroyed, but his spirit lives forever. And in the end of this film, the spirit passed on to uh, the chief and he ran away. He successfully flew over the cuckoo's nest. And we can see a little bit like because everyone was caring about McMurphy's uh, like um result like everyone was asking whether he escaped and uh when Tabor saw the broken 
glass window. They're probably saying that McMurphy really uh, escaped and they were cheering and thing. When in reality, it was, it right, was the chief right. who was, up until that point, had been a passive mm -hmm. player, uh, pretending to be deaf-mute. Um, well, just before we jump yeah. to another topic, I want to add, add uh, some of my thoughts to the fishing scene. Uh, it was it was really interesting that they have this disguise of their identity as doctors. So it it kind of partially shows um, the class of doctors at that time being respected and um, treated with being treated with respect, and there's no questioning by the owner of the boat uh, whatsoever after they say they're doctors. Uh huh. Um, and f to me, like everything that happens on the boat and especially when they got the giant fish and come back, I feel like it's showing the normalities of this group that are considered as crazy by normal people. Like they're still one, they're still ones among us. They're humans too. And Things that really um, in line is in line with Milo's Foreman's argument about freedom is every single human being deserves freedom, even someone that he portrayed almost like a villain, like McMurphy. Like we know he had he had something villainish going on uh, about um, his background in the beginning when he's got the interview, you know. But also at that. In that scene, when they returns uh, to when the boat returns to the bank, like that's that's the only scene in this film that's really outside the lunatic house, really outside the hospital, right? And mm -hmm. uh, there's this shot, reverse shot of showing they got the fish versus the um, the hospital guards on the bank, and. There's no nurse wretched and um, and as I will describe later, there's a lot of point of view shots from nurse wretched's um, nurse wretched's perspective in this film that's sh that's telling the audience that the mental hospital is under her surveillance, but the scene when they went out fishing is the only moment throughout the film that they actually not the only moment, is a moment that they escaped the nurse's surveillance. It's again emphasizing the symbolism of Nurse Ratched, which is actually problematic, and we'll talk about that later on in our discussion. I think, uh, yeah, I, I like the word you use, surveillance, when it comes to uh, Nurse Ratched and her, her station. Uh, there's um, the idea that what what I think makes Ratchet such a uh, such a fascinating character and a fascinating antagonist is that she is basically the symbol of all these excessive rules and routines, right. which you said is still present mm -hmm. today. Um, and it it just it becomes this sort of thing where she's kind of drunk on it. There's this um, like to the point where she she tortures the patients a lot with the this illusion quote-unquote of um of freedom or democracy inside the the institution 
Um, Explain torture. She, she, well, there's, uh, there's, like, her ideas of therapy, and this may be accurate for the time, um, but her ideas of therapy are to basically lord over, say, Harding, um, the character who has marital problems, uh, almost definitely because he's, in fact, a homosexual, and just constantly, like, grilling him over these, these, um, these issues, the, over his, like, uh, paranoia over her infidelities. Right. Or weaponizing, uh, say, Billy Bibbitt's uh, fear of his mother or his fear of, of women in authority mm-hmm. uh, over him as a way to that basically guilts him into killing himself at the end. Right. I don't I don't want to say it's like a, a, a sense of enjoyment for her, but it's certainly it's certainly interesting the way that she uses it and weaponizes it uh, to maintain this this little world that she right. has. I do think you probably need to explain why you think Harding is homosexual because I found it really interesting and I think the audience would be interested to know. Um, there's a few things that the, I mean, there's the fact that he has as many um, insecurities about mm-hmm. his wife um, centered around his wife. Uh, that he talks about or other characters talk about or um there's the uh there's the comment that ratchet makes that she she says that if mcmurphy doesn't orally take his medicine then he's gonna have to she's gonna have to find another way which would be uh rectally uh and like harding gives him this look and he's like you'd like that wouldn't you uh hard on um and also uh what was the other comment uh, his his problems with sexuality with his wife, uh, and also I looked it up. Uh, the general consensus is that he is homosexual. Wow! Yeah, I definitely didn't read into that part of this character. Um, for me, he's like this annoying intellectual. That almost he's like I don't know. He's like constantly swinging over to Nurse Ratchet's side. You know, not just. I think that um, I'm gonna go out on a limb here. Um, when I think of the the characters in this film, I think of them as like a small like microcosm of society, um, and I think that his place in that because he's kind of the de facto leader before McMurphy shows up, his kind of role in there is is as the like the the liberal intellectual right. who kind of explains the rules of the system and kind of. Uh, confines himself to them it as a matter of guilt i guess or as a, as a matter of um maintaining order mm-hmm. in his own life yeah uh, i'm gonna cut that out i think because that's i'm not sure how to i think that. it makes sense um i mean because um uh, and and um i think to listeners out there if you have like any ideas on Mr. Harding being liberals uh, can comment on us and how do you think about him? Uh, another thing for me, uh, as you just mentioned, he, him maintaining the rules. Uh, another aspect of him is I feel like before McMurphy, he is the most quote unquote most normal person. But like the really rationalized 
figure that he really understand what's going on, um, and he can express himself. I'd argue that he's more normal than McMurphy. Well, I I think McMurphy is more normal in a sense that he has desires, and like he has this humanity in him, like either the desire about sex or this kind of fight. I think it's really inherent and almost primitive for human beings to do that. So normal in that sense, I guess more primitive.、Mm-hmm. While as Harding is more intellectual and following the rules, like he's more like a trained animal in a cage, while as McMurphy sure, is this、yeah. wild animal just being put into the cage, I guess. Interesting. I I do like the kind of conflict between them. The,、um, it becomes kind of humorous where McMurphy wants to like exclude Harding from everything. <laughs> right.、Um, Well, in terms of identity, there might be like、um, a perspective to understand it as like trying to be the dominant male figure, almost. You know, while Harding is actually struggling with identity. Now we talked about it,、uh, but McMurphy is sure about his identity, and yeah, there's like this fighting for being top of the food chain. I'm sorry, I keep putting the、sure. animal symbolism on Nicholson and other actors. I love、yes. Nicholson. It's just my way of making. Oh, he's fantastic! Oh my movie, god, yeah. I actually wrote in my notes.、Um, third line, it says Jack Nicholson shows up looking like a villain. Right. <laughs> he's yeah, comes out of the car, and you're just like, "Damn, that man is he's absolutely、mm-hmm. nuts." <laughs> yeah, he's great. In this movie, just which yeah, the, um, sorry, you can get back to your point in a second, but the fact that McMurphy is、uh, villainous in a way, while also kind of leading the the charge for individual freedom and expression, right, right, um, while also、uh, conflicts well with Nurse Ratched's like sterile,、um, listen to the rules and the, of the of the institution, um. You know, she really doesn't have a、uh, an identity outside of the walls of the institution. Like, I can't. I think part of the reason we don't see her up on the pier after the fishing sequence is because she is a part of the hospital.、Right. There's no ratchet outside of this hospital. Right. But there's people like ratchet in the society, as the mental institute is, like, as you said, the micro. Biolism of the society—it's this fable that, yeah,、um, it's kind of almost—it's—it's it's kind of saying like people with power, they live on a system. Like when there's no system, they lose the power, right? Like when they're outside the hospital. You mentioned that there's this、um, expression of freedom. Um, to me,、um, it's exactly because McMurphy is kind of villainish. It really emphasizes that it's like, even though he's kind of like an asshole, 
but he still deserves freedom. You know, this absolute freedom. I think uh, I haven't watched any other Miller's Foreman films, but I did get some back knowledge about him being uh, accused as communist. I think back in Czechoslovakia, some of the films he made in back in Czechoslovakia before he came to Hollywood. It shares the.、Uh, I heard from people who have watched this, his film, his earlier films,、uh, that they also express the theme of absolute freedom,、um, and for some reason it reminds me of <clears throat>、um, Paul Greengrass' latest film,、uh, July twenty second, which is also on、uh, Netflix about this、um, killer who performed. Uh, the massacre in Norway, that he still deserves a right to be heard and being on a court and. I have seen one of Milos Forman's other films,、uh, Amadeus, probably、ah, second most well-known、right, film. Right, right, right.、Uh, it is superb. I highly recommend、mm. you check it out, Chris. I did.、Um, I watched that one. If you get the opportunity to. Uh. The biopic、oh, yeah. of、um, Mozart, basically. Yeah,、uh, I I can see some of those、um, ideas present in the、oh. film. It's been a minute since I've seen it,、um, but the idea of、uh, if we think of、uh, Santini, I believe、mm-hmm. his name, as as a member of the the institutional state, right. Um, lacking the individual freedom that makes Mozart such a、uh, a prodigy, his 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 form of self expression,、uh, and trying to achieve that and、uh, failing、um, over and over again. I guess that's an interesting track we could take that. I've also watched his、uh, film、uh, *Man on the Moon*,、uh, almost like a biopic about、um, Andy Kaufman. Was that? Oh, that's Jim Jim Carrey.、Wow. He's much more prolific than I thought. Yeah, yeah, he's wow. He's yeah. For for me, he's done his film. Like even just reading about his films, he's basically directing biopics and films about. Resistance and freedom, so yeah,、uh, I can't remember anything about freedom from Man on the Moon because I was just so fascinated about the story itself. But I would love to、uh, re- rewatch Man on the Moon and see this theme of、um, absolute freedom there. Sure.、Um, but、uh, yeah. Looking at his IMDb, there's another film here called *The People vs. Larry Flint*,、mm-hmm. uh, where it's the the story of a controversial pornography publisher <laughs> and how he became a defender of free speech. That sounds exactly up his wheelhouse. <laughs> I personally will probably be checking out more Milos Forman films. Me too.、Uh, because I love Amadeus. I absolutely adore *One Flew Over the Cuckoo's、mm-hmm. Nest*. And this film has、uh, Woody. Right, I was just about to say that. <laughs> it's. Woody and、uh, the idea of Woody Harrelson pushing porn、uh, is <laughs> just incredibly fascinating <laughs> to me.、Uh. I want to talk a little more. More.、Uh, I want to talk a little more about Hollywood filmmaking in the context of 
one flew over cuckoo's nest because you don't really see any like really artsy film fest ish um, cinematography in this film uh, except just shot reverse shot point of view shots like um, or continuing editing and um, establishing shot like all those norms of uh, how all those traditions that how Hollywood was trying to hide the existence of the camera. So I, I was first really um, just not sure what to talk about, about the cinematography until I dragged the film around last night. Um, there's actually really, there's actually many details that are fascinatingly designed, like such as a point of view shots from Nurse Ratched all the time inside the ward like and that's one of the way that uh, Hollywood hides the camera is um, the look of the Kino eye becomes is the human eye and the position of the camera is might be the physical location of the person or the mental location of the person and um, Forgive me one second, Go Chris. Um, for those who aren't familiar with the term, uh, Kino Eye comes from an early writing by Zika Vertov, who was a Russian filmmaker and uh, film theorist uh, from the early 1920s. Yep. Uh, it, it, it refers to the superiority of the Kino, which is Russian mm -hmm. for camera, the superiority of the Kino Eye and, and how... Uh, yeah, sorry, carry on. More about the point of view shot it's like in reality, we're always in a sort of inequality or just in a power structure that we might be in a lower place. Um, the film use the point of view shot and who's inside the shot, like who got the right to be seen, uh, I think, as a metaphor of um, the social structure as well. Um, and, um, sorry, I was just reading my notes. Um, not everyone has the, I don't know, has a qualification or, or ability to see in this film especially under this um, meticulous nurse who surveillance is everywhere. Um, there's some point of view shots of Jack Nicholson's character, but almost that's it. Uh, I don't remember any point of view shots from other uh, patients who are really mm -hmm. suppressed by the restriction from Nurse Ratchet and the, um, I think they're really mm, terrified by the punishment system. It's that it's that self policing that we talked mm -hmm. about earlier that Foucault uh, explains. Right. Um, oh, it's. I do, I do like your thoughts about the the sort of social hierarchy that's reinforced mm -hmm. by the the choice of camera shots. So there's this detail that I found really fascinating is when Jack Nicholson was u make use making use of uh, Chief's um, height 
to play basketball. This is such a、um, scene with、um, humor and warmth and、um, just it's this normal moment. Like they're finally enjoying the life inside there, trying to settle in. But the last shot of this scene is a point of view shot from.、Um, Window upstairs, and、mm-hmm. there's、uh, there was the medium close-up shot of the、mm, emotionless ratchet,、uh, and this whole shot just changed. This one shot just changed the whole feeling of the previous scene. It's it redefines. It gives it like a sinister undertone.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, it redefines yeah. this. Fake freedom, I guess, and like again,、uh, emphasize the theme of、um, being surveillanced. I think. Going back, I, going back to the chief and the idea of POV shots.、Um, in the source novel, which again I haven't read, but、uh, I do own it.、Uh, the chief is actually the the central kind of protagonist of the、wow. story. He's Well, I guess he's kind of the the Nick Carraway of the story. He's the narrator,、um, and what's interesting to me about that is the way that, even though he's、uh, pretending to be a, a deaf mute,、uh, gentle giant,、mm-hmm. um, he still kind of acts as a watcher in this film.、Right. The way that he's positioned in a lot of these scenes. Right.、Um, but I think Milos Forman realized when he was adapting、uh, it to the screen was that. You don't need to tell the story from、uh, the chief's point of view. You don't need the the narration or the or、uh, whatever other tropes you might use to to center it like that.、Um, but there are times when,、uh, like, say, there's the scene in the in the first scene in the bathroom where McMurphy tries to pick up the the giant <laughs>、right. sink or whatever the hell that is.、Uh, that it, it's cutting. To the chief watching、mm-hmm. him, and so it's like the the camera, the、uh, quote unquote kino eye has become the the point of view、uh, into the world for the、right. audience, which is the natural place for it to be, and and the chief becomes a sort of throughout the story less so, but especially at the end he becomes、um, an outlet for the audience,、right. the freedom and the catharsis that's、mm-hmm. felt. From his escaping the the war, right?、Um, actually, was a kind of, to me, a little bit ritualistic、um, soundtrack in the end, with some、um, mm-hmm. female voice humming and,、um, yeah, just like this ritual of back to freedom, which actually, because、um, Chief, Chief、um, is also. The Native American, like his ethnicity is Native Amer-、uh, Native American, it seems like to、yep. me. So the end, in the end, this kind of back in the forest, back to nature,、uh, makes me wonder whether there's any undernotes about、um, like any any、um, of the director's expression on Native American people. He well, he's a he's a Native American in in the source novel、mm-hmm. as well.、Um, I. Th- Think that his heritage, his ethnicity, 
is is really an addition to the, that idea mm. of uh, individual expression, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. The idea of his his returning to his desire to uh, escape from the sort of cold, sterile, uh, it state the the hospital. And- Control uh, of the white man. Not really white man. Control yeah, of white man. But white man society. The, the, white, the the unseen white psychiatrist. Right, right. And the the uh, nurse mm-hmm. ratchet, the the head white mm-hmm. nurse, and her three uh, order thir- three black orderlies and her assistant nurse, who's also a person mm-hmm. of color. Um, his his desire to escape that and go to the the go up to canada right. uh i think it's it's a link it, it doesn't necessarily say he's a man of nature mm-hmm. because he's a native yeah. american but um i think it there may be an idea there of that right uh so in terms of symbols in this film we have uh not really hard symbols but we have like like little motifs or things we have locations throughout the hospital things mm-hmm. like the um, the sink was one that I brought up, um, but the most popular one seems to be the the nurse's mm-hmm. station, um, and in a lot of the way that a lot of the ways that's placed throughout the film, um, as well as the the characters' interaction with it throughout the course of the right. plot. Because early on we have uh, sort of Ratched's um, complete separation between the nurses and the patients, right. uh, between the actual ward, the the routine area right. the daily area i think is what they call it the glass uh, screened the glass yeah. separator yeah which becomes a <clears throat> this glass sliding door right. and there's like there's subtle ways that it's reinforced um that this thing is a complete separation from the institute right. and the the interests of the patients um early on mcmurphy is like trying to be suave to nurse ratchet and he puts his hand on right. the glass and she says please you're dirty in my right. glass um later it's broken right. so um, when he's trying to that, when mcmurphy's trying to uh, get the cigarettes for he's trying to calm yeah he's trying to calm uh, one of the patients martini. Down. I believe it's uh martini or uh cheswick i think it's cheswick uh, cheswick yep but yeah that's the first kind of really physical conflict between uh, Nurse Ratchet and McMurphy is him breaking the glass, breaking this, uh, breaking into this um, restricted, isolated um, space where authority people stands. Well, he tries to go in earlier too, remember? And Ratchet kicks Mm -hmm. him out. She says, we can talk about it when you get on the other side of the door. but break into even it, though it's easily mm-hmm. accessible. But break it was break into it was violence. That's the first thing that McMurphy like. Right? Oh yeah, okay, okay, yeah. But at the same time, he was doing it not for himself. It's for it's to calm other people down. So you're seeing this kind of good-hearted person inside McMurphy. Mm-hmm even though he's the one who's responsible for the need for the cigarettes because of his uh, gambling tables. (laughs) Right. Um, 
Which I think is just another... It makes McMurphy even more of a complex mm-hmm. character. Definitely. To his credit. Um, and then, of course, there's later when the, the patients are actually hiding inside the nurse's station towards the end of the film. Um, and it becomes this inverse of the... Um, of the original idea uh, and it ultimately becomes a part of their downfall the final downfall of R.P. McMurphy Uh, and before that there's this just to me the classic Hollywood climax scene that uh, the night before they before McMurphy could have flew over the cuckoo's nest, they were having this party, and McMurphy took over the mic, which um, was used to spread out the rules and um, only plays the music that Nurse Ratchet wants to play. Uh, whereas um, this um, symbol of I don't know. Authority is taken over by McMurphy. This sort of anarchist right, tendencies. Right. Um, but also in the end, like even though they had the party and all sorts of uh, conflict uh, from the beginning with the nurses, in the end, Nurse Ratchet was wearing that thing on her neck. And the structure of that um, that that, that um, yes, the brace, uh, the structure of the brace, almost to me it emphasized the vertical and horizontal kind of the lines inside the sh- inside the shot, mm. which okay. kind of um, emphasizes her regain of respect and. Um, her authority she retakes the structure right right and she yeah. took up the mic like again that. to ask mm-hmm. Tabor something if anything her structure has been it's been weakened but um almost reinforced in the mm-hmm. same shot i feel like the bracelet is her sure manifestation of, of just powers always belongs to her Whatever attack happened, she's mm-hmm. still going to be the authority figure. Um, yeah, uh, much as I, I'd like this ending to be more uplifting, it is a, a very depressing ending. Um, with, I do think, going back to the neck brace, I do think it's, I like that a visual reinforcement of her structure and her, her authority, her um, autocracy. Yeah. Um, and that, but at the end, there's also that release with, um, the chief, uh, after McMurphy's, um, lobotomy, lobotomy. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, After his lobotomy, um, he, he, everything's been taken from him. His, his individual identity, his ideas, uh, his uh, passion, I guess. Definitely, his desire. Um, all the his uh, desire. That's what, yeah. His desire has been mm-hmm. taken from him. Uh, all and the humanity the chief, from all the humanity that he brought into the war. Humanity, desire, yeah. And that's that's taken 
Um, I think it's 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 the chief's final act of kindness toward Definitely. him is that he doesn't have to live without it. Um, and then he takes his final step towards freedom, right. which is uplifting in a way, um, but also kind of sad that he can't take McMurphy yeah. with him. Because I, I do believe that McMurphy can be a better person. Um, but it's also, maybe it's my mistaken thought, but I always feel like lobotomy is irreversible. Like, oh right, yeah, 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 it is. Like, if I was McMurphy, if I was still conscious after the lobotomy, like knowing myself being um, person um, that um, just forced to get rid of all my own ideas, I would, and become a plant, become a vegetable. I probably would rather have the ending like what Chief did to McMurphy just absolutely which actually reminded me of Birdman when I was first watching it I don't know why it's probably just the mere fact that there's uh, death after a the the most glamorous scene well which in this is not really the case because there's the death of um, Billy Um, yeah Billy's death is uh also difficult to contend with. Oh, and there's like details um, about him that's really um, fascinating is he's almost cured from stuttering after him having sex with um, McMurphy's girl, McMurphy's friend. Candy. Can, after yeah, having sex prostitute. with Candy. And sh- he, Billy was confronting Nurse Ratchet when Nurse Ratchet started questioning about what happened. But um, when Nurse Ratchet mentions his mother, he started stuttering again. Yeah. That, um, again, that reinforcement of authority, mm-hmm. that weaponization of their insecurities. Right. It's, a, the, um, it's a form of gaslighting that she uses. Um, and it's part again. It's part of what makes her such a fascinating right. villain because, technically, she is doing the best mm-hmm. she can to maintain order on a on a chaotic sort of playing yeah. field, and she just takes it too far in too many ways. Yeah. Um, and it ends with the the death of Billy, mm-hmm. um, who was just getting started. Before we close, I want to talk briefly about the opening and closing shots of the Go film. For it. Compared to the rest of the film, which are, you know, mostly cold hospitals and this very sterile white or the tub room. Right. Or I guess there's the halfway point where they, they go fishing. Um, it's just this this really nice um, landscape shot. Two of them uh, that paired together with that, that sort of soaring um, drum music. Um, I don't know. It just—it's a good way of bringing you into the world and taking you out of it. Right. It's—it's um, it's sort of this expression of—it's a good expression of the the ideas of uh, you know personal freedom, um, anti-establishment, the idea that an escape into the landscape, into the into nature, can be about as far from the cold, you know, autocratic right. hospital. Uh, it's a good contrast. 
Um, a point I found about those landscape shots, um, not just the beginning, the opening and the end, uh, the closing shot, but um, many of the empty shots of the hospital in general, um, you see this uh, banality and peacefulness uh, when you just look at the building. But uh, there's a couple of shots that uh, the wires on the, on the fence break into the corner of the shot. And it's, uh, it's really, for me, it's deconstructing the rules, um, the glamorous, uh, rational um, daily routine. Like you're seeing this hospital image, but then there's this um, threat um, from uh, this threat suppression and restriction implied by just a wire in the corner of the sh of the shot and similar to that um uh there when there's like shot reverse shot um there's never over the shoulder shot with nurse ratchet's image with jack nicholson when he's talking because normally over the shoulder, but when it's the conversation between patients, um, other patients exist in the over the shoulder shots. So it's almost like Nurse Ratchet is not allowed to be in the same um, shot with Jack Nicholson. Like, it's almost like Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson um, I mean, McMurphy, is really not in the world with Nurse Ratchet. But even so, there's a couple of things that um, Nurse Ratchet's hair get into the scene after the chaos. Um, and it's not that the nurse is granted the permission to be, to be inside the patient's space, but it's like the patient's offended this meticulous um, calm, rational nurse. Yeah, so there is some designs under the uh, stereotypical um, classic Hollywood cinematography from Miller's Foreman, I think. That's, those are, I believe those are intentional from someone like Miller's Foreman. Yeah, I think that uh, if anything, knowing those rules and if you think of uh, Hollywood at the time, uh, it was sort of a rule-breaking mm -hmm. era, um, and his his taking what you might think as a as a conventional shot, reverse shot, classic Hollywood uh, directing style, and um, weaponizing that, mm -hmm. I guess. I like that word. Uh, in order to in order to tell a better, more uh, subtextual mm -hmm. story. Uh, even reinforces the film's themes, Definitely. I believe. Um, another detail um, before we jump into closing is um, the uh, Nurse Ratched always have a bigger figure on the screen than the patient. Like only till uh, only if you have a close up of Nurse Ratched, then you can use the medium close up for the patient, and only till. She has a um, close-up of one of her features on her face that um, 
there's a close-up of the patient coming up. So I think the um, the difference um, on, in the size of their of their image on the screen is implying the inequality and different um, different the, the power structure. Hierarchy. Yes, the hierarchy as well. Yeah. Thank you. And also um, the kind of like everything's being controlled by Nurse Ratchet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The most problematic thing to me would be the presentation of McMurphy's character, which uh, being sent to uh, to the work camp for uh, statutory rape, his right. description of uh, younger women, and the fact that it's kind of used as a part of his character to, to show him pushing the envelope even more. Um, yeah, that's definitely a really sensitive sure. topic. Um, now you bring it, it up. It and, makes him... Uh, it, yeah, it makes him less likable from the start, but, um, yeah, I don't want to get into the politics of Romeo and Juliet laws or the man's almost 40 years old and sleeping with high schoolers and he's our hero, uh, which I guess kind of fits into the twisted world of one flew over the cuckoo's nest. That's also the, um, seventies, that's like the start of vigilante films, you know, Later on, there's Taxi Driver, and... Um, All right. Uh, 1976, mm -hmm. I believe. This was 75. Yeah, 76. So this was a year before Taxi yeah. Driver. Like, they allow villains to be, like, quote-unquote villains. At least people with mm -hmm. moral flaws to be the um, protagonist of the film. Yeah, that's... Yeah, it's a huge part of the that new Hollywood movement and, mm -hmm. uh, is this this ability to to track more morally complex right. uh, psychologically complex mm -hmm. characters. Yeah, I I mean McMurphy's he's a classic character. Um, the fact that he's kind of presented as a blight on society, he becomes the source of uh, hope and freedom for this. Yeah ragtag group of you know mental words it's kind of twisted but i kind of like it too he's like the um he's like andy um from shoshank redemption the way he describes a baseball game uh verbalizing what might be happening in the baseball game the um which they f um mm -hmm. yeah the baseball game is like andy playing the um, orchestral music from the uh, radio station at the prison. I wouldn't be surprised if Stephen King took inspiration from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, mm -hmm. either the, the novel or, or the, uh, mm -hmm. the film. Or the director. Because this is... <clears throat> this, this, uh, this is classic American cinema. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So... Yeah, I could definitely see it. It 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 has its, um, you know, ripples throughout our own history, and I'm sure other uh, foreign cinemas. Mm -hmm. uh, so this has been our our episode on uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, uh -huh. uh, classic American film. 
Uh, we talked a lot about symbols and themes. And mm-hmm. um, if you haven't seen it by now, I'm sure you'll be convinced. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's available on Netflix along with the prequel series Ratchet, <laughs> uh, which you can watch at your own mm-hmm. risk. Uh, <laughs> next week, uh, we do have a hard plan to cover uh, Corpus Christi. Right. Which is a Polish film. Um, I haven't seen it yet. Um, uh, Chris, do you want to give a brief yep, introduction? Uh, it's... Well, not talking about it. It has some kind of um, linkage to... Some link to One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest, almost. It's about a boy released from a correction center. And he's really religious. And he went into a... Um, village and he lied about him being a priest but then he becomes this um, cherished authority figure almost authority uh, religious authority figure um, and he start to um, look into the dynamics inside this village and um, just experience humanity in a different way from his previous uh, prison experience. And it's a film, it's a film nominated for uh, last year's Best International Film Award, uh, competing with Parasite. Uh, it's one of my favorite films from last year, and I really wish it won the Best International Film instead of Parasite. Um, yeah, just my thought. Um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, it's available on Criterion Channel with subscription mm-hmm. it's also rentable it's also rentable on amazon prime for only a dollar 99 yeah so uh, i haven't seen it yet um, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it we'll be doing that yep. soon um until then we'll see you next week uh this is zach this is chris and this has been cinemagic